We are being persuaded. The chain begins to take place. But it's intertwined into our children's storytelling. If I can see a different perspective of a topic, you may just be able to change the way I accept, I affirm, and I advocate. Welcome back to another episode of Cultivating Truth. We are currently in our series called Cultivating the Family, which means once again, I'm going to be sitting down with my favorite person in the entire planet, and that is my wife, Sarah Davis. Today's episode, we're going to be discussing this concept of creating over consuming. It's a mantra that we use in the Davis household, and it means so much to us and how we operate as a family, so much so that we've even incorporated it into our family mission statement. And so to get things started, Sarah, tell us a little bit more about what that means in our house. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really excited to be on here today to just get the opportunity to talk to families to see how this can look in their everyday life. So this is the bread and butter of what we're all about as the Davis family. So we created this mission statement to be really intentional with our kids um, and with each other as we're leading our family. So our family mission is to glorify God and follow Christ's commandments by being creative being in biblical community, and being competent in scripture. So obviously we know um, we're going to spend some time hashing out creativity and what that looks like within our family and other families who may want to do the same. Um, But being in biblical community, um, being a part of a local church where you're surrounded by fellow believers and encouraging one another to be sanctified um, and be more and more like Christ is extremely important throughout this whole entire process. And then being competent in scripture, we know that scripture is profitable for preaching and teaching and reproof. Um, And so we hold to God's word as true, and we know that it has the power to change people's lives. Um, And so that is something that is really important that we know, and we also teach to our children. Yeah. So when we first developed the thought of coming up with Aletheia and figuring out what exactly what you wanted to do, we were really big on leadership development and mission statements and core values. Uh, We were having these discussions with you at work. We were thinking through this on what do we believe as an organization? Where do we want to go? And we're having all these talks about vision, mission, beliefs, values. And then it hits us. What do we believe as a family creating over consuming? Maybe Christians might think that that's a, that's a weird or maybe shouldn't go into the core value section. But for us, we would say it's completely essential and necessary because understanding how to be a creative and not just a consumer really shapes our worldview and it shapes the way we think and how we ultimately regurgitate that and live it out in everyday life. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there are specific things in God's word that we find that he calls every single believer to, but then there's also specific missions or specific places that God calls us to. And so when we were taking a look at developing this mission for our family, I think we kind of took a look at what are we passionate about? Where has God gifted us? And how can we use that to take what God has called us to, to go and make disciples? How can we make that practical for our family? And what does that look like? Yeah. 
I've heard this before when I'm talking to people about family mission statements and whatnot, and uh, obviously we we agree on the biblical side of things, but I'll throw people off when we talk about this concept of creating over consuming, because people will say, well, Aaron, that's cool. You know, you're a director, your wife sings, your kids are creative, but my family, we're just not that creative. And so we want to focus on other stuff. And I would argue and give pushback that I think everyone is created. If you believe in the Bible and you believe in scripture and you go to Genesis one and you believe that God created everything, then that means that you are made in his image. And the very first verb that we hear about God is that he was in the beginning and he verb creates in the beginning outside of time he is always he's always around he's always going to be around he's eternal and this eternal god creates and when he creates we see that life happens and when life happens we see growth and we see flourishment and by being made in the image of god we too have that ability to be just like him and to create now obviously people have different skill sets and skill levels but you see that this world that we live in progresses off of the creatives sometimes good sometimes amazing leaps and bounds happen sometimes for the worse um, but the world really does ride on what the creatives are doing. And what we typically find that if you're not one to create, you're most likely still consuming. And we live in a world that is filled with creatives who are constantly telling us what to think, how to live our life through art, media, entertainment, uh, you name it. And for us, we have three little ones. Our oldest is six, next Ollie is four, and then our baby girl is three. And they live in a world where everyone is trying to cultivate them and is trying to tell them what to think. And the best way that they can do that is by being a consumer and consuming off of entertainment, media, and the arts. And so for us, I would say this is essential foundation for our family and how to properly think through this. And as a teacher, I've just seen it. I've seen where this next generation, Gen Z and Generation Alpha coming up with our kids, they're being stunted in their ability to critically think because they are they have become such consumers. All they do is consume, whether it's through social media, TikTok, ads. Uh, they're constantly being told what to think, how to think, and how they ought to be living their lives. And so if you want to train properly on how to critically think and how to be the one who is not just following where the world's going, but actually leading where the world is going, then you have to have this ability to create and understand what you are consuming. And if not, all you're going to be is this fattened calf that's in line to be slaughtered. Yeah. We are all consumers majority of the time. Um, I think this is why our mission statement has been so important for me personally, because my natural instinct is to just consume over create. Um, it, it is. It's very difficult. I think you have to be extremely intentional yeah. to be creative. And the problem with consuming so much, especially now, is what is out there to consume is really not good. It is a worldview that goes completely against everything that we believe. And the scary part is a lot of times the way that it is input into the outlets, like let's just use movies or shows, for example, the way that they word these things is so intertwined and it seems like it's not a bad thing. It's not that bad. It's okay. 
And really, it goes completely against our worldview as a follower of Christ. And so we have to be super intentional about what our kids watch, what they're given, and the content that they are consuming to make sure that this really does align with our beliefs and with our worldview. Yeah, I think that one of the most dangerous aspects of consuming is the ability to sympathize. And now I know that sounds crazy because many storytellers and writers would not like that I'm saying this because they want you to sympathize. They want you to understand the perspective that they're trying to tell. And the reason is, is because that changes our feelings and that changes our thought process about any given topic or character. Well, a case study that we can use is the uh, the story of the Wizard of Oz. And, you know, the movie, The Wizard of Oz, uh, back in the 1930s is very iconic and it has the evil, wicked witch. And she is known as one of the most iconic villains of all time. She's pure evil, dark, no good in her whatsoever. Well, a couple decades ago, the, this guy named Gregory Maguire comes along and he writes this novel called Wicked. Now, it is the exact same Wicked that you would know of, uh, from the Broadway musical. And the subtitle is The Untold Story of the Witches of Oz. And so what this is, is a different perspective, a different angle of the Wicked Witch. And she actually has a name now. She's not the Wicked Witch. Her name's Elphaba. And what we find out is that Elphaba is misunderstood. She uh, is actually an activist. She is very much for equal rights. And she is trying to figure out the problems that are going on with Oz. And by being the outcast or the rebel that she needs to be, she can actually maybe bring good and solve the problems that's going on in Oz. Now, that sounds wonderful. It sounds great to have a different perspective of the witch. And I'm not opposed to that. I'm not saying that that's a, a bad story. And, you know, for us, uh, we love the story of Wicked. We love the music for, for Wicked. But my point is, is that when we are just consuming and we don't know what we're properly uh, doing when we're we're thinking about the stories that uh, we are listening to or watching or being entertained by, then what can happen is that we are being sympathetic to certain ideas or topics that may be not good and maybe against scripture. And the problem begins is that whenever I can sympathize, I eventually change the way I feel. And when I change the way I feel, I change the way I act and I respond. And so my sympathy becomes empathy, which eventually changes into acceptance, which eventually turns into affirmation. And then eventually you can find that I'll probably become an advocate for that. And that's where the progression and the chain begins to take place is that my feelings, if you can get me with a nice soft track and I can see a different perspective of a topic, you may just be able to change the way I accept, I affirm, and I advocate mm -hmm. for a given topic. Yeah, absolutely. So, and honestly, I think of this you know, the way that we consume specifically talking about television and movies, I go back to Genesis. And I think that the way that storytelling is told, filled with emotions, um, and, you know, they're built up on this character development of this sympathy story. I think of Satan, you know, talking to Eve, like, oh, God really didn't tell you that. Um, and just kind of this manipulative storytelling that we um, get emotionally drawn to like, oh, yeah, that's that's really not that bad. Um, and so I really think of our media in that terms right now is that 
we are being persuaded, not in some like, oh my goodness, this is, you know, we're watching sex and, um, you know, bad language and all these things that we know are wrong, but it's intertwined into our children's storytelling of like, no, this is really, you know, they're trying to deceive us. And this is really the truth for you. Um, and it's just, it's just not. Wow. That is, that is a great perspective that I don't think I've ever really thought through that Eve knew the original story and she knew what should unfold and take place. And Satan in Genesis three gives us different perspective, this different angle. And when, you know, when you read it, you, there's some sympathy there. You, you can, you, you feel for Eve and she's thinking, man, does, is that what God really means? Is that what he wants? And she's being deceived right here. And obviously we know that that causes all the problems of mankind, but man, that is a, that's a huge, that's a huge point. You start questioning God's goodness by what he commanded them. Absolutely. And I think you see this throughout human history in the way that over time, you know, humanity thought certain things were bad. And we find that this is not the best way for us to grow and to flourish as a civilization. And then when you have the ability to sympathize with different people groups and different worldviews and different thoughts, well, you begin to change the way that you think. And what was once right or wrong now is gray and may not be true anymore. And this goes into the whole postmodern worldview. Now, obviously, there is wisdom in being able to sympathize and understand others' perspective and how they feel, not opposing that whatsoever. But my point is, is that if we throw out the baby with the bathwater, that's when it begins to have, we begin to have a problem, is that we are no longer operating with wisdom in how humanity is supposed to be ran and what is good and what is wrong. But when everything becomes subjective, well, then we're really opening up the floodgates for so many other issues and problems. Yeah, it's enticing to want to believe that truth. But we know um, that God's truth is found in scripture and he teaches us right from wrong. So, yes. So this is why we must be creative, because when you go back to the Garden uh, of Eden, you see that Adam and Eve were not just there just to consume. They were not there just to enjoy the garden. They were actually there to work in the garden, to tend the garden. Um, in a garden, there's creativity involved. There's uh, there's growth that happens by tending, cutting back, uh, putting the plants in the proper place, uh, organization that happens in a garden. And so you can see that creativity comes through this. And this is how we were designed. And then when you look at human history, as stated earlier, the world advances with the creatives. Obviously, there's always going to be the political and war heroes that we hear about. But when you really think about how the world has progressed over the last couple thousand years, you always will find a creative's name in there. Leonardo da Vinci. Vincent Van Gogh, uh, Steve Jobs with Apple and the iPhone. I mean, think about how important that is. Mm -hmm. I mean, just think about William Shakespeare and what he did for the English language. I mean, all the words and, and analogies that he came up with in his literature, uh, the creatives 
give life, give flourishment. And you can find that in Genesis 1, when God creates, life happens. When man creates, we continue to grow with life and flourishment happens. And so for our family, there's no question. Uh, Understanding how to be creative is going to be essential. Yeah. So touching base on the business portion of it, you know, you, you brought up some big examples of you know monumental growth within US history even um, but even on the smaller scale every single business requires creativity um, and forward thinking to be able to grow they can't just have someone being able to consume information and then just do work um, you have to have that creativity that big vision problem solving to be able to have any sort of successful business no matter how small scale it might be yeah so getting practical though when applying it to our own families uh you know you might think well this only would apply to you know you guys the davises or other families who are out there who would label themselves creatives that this doesn't necessarily apply to the the norm and the masses and you know with us yes you know you know you sing i direct um Ollie, you know, is always in character. I mean, currently he's taking a nap and he's in a Spider-Man costume and, you know, Eden, (laughs) she expresses herself through dance and loves music. And then our oldest, Abel, he does not express himself in the same way whatsoever. Yeah. So Abel is very interesting. And again, I think intentionality is really the biggest thing here because I would not say that Abel is not creative. We just have to find ways to kind of pull that out of him a little bit more because it's not the natural um, instinct for him to be creative, to pick up something and say, I want to draw, I want to paint, I want to act, I want to sing. That's not his natural instinct. Um, And he internalizes a lot more because... um, He is a lot more soft-spoken and shy at first, um, a little more introverted. So, you know, he may have some of that more internally, but that's not something he's going to externally exhibit to us. So um, we've had to, you know, get a little bit more creative in the way that we pull that out. So we've worked more with problem solving and Legos and really building things. And he also loves listening to a really good story and asking questions to kind of problem solve through what's happening here. Why is this character doing this? So he likes to problem solve like a puzzle and kind of put the pieces together. Now, I'm sure that there is someone listening to this who might be thinking that they're just like Abel or their child is just like Abel and maybe questioning, you know, why should this pertain to them? You know, maybe their type A personality, they're into sport and maybe engineer minded and, and need systems and rules in place and uh, get uncomfortable with the abstract or the creative things. And that just sounds way too far fetched, uh, like my boy. And I want to be very clear and we know this on our side of things, but maybe others uh, do not understand this, that we're not just trying to put a paintbrush in our kids' hands. Uh, we are not just trying to have these just little artistic kids, you know, free flowy and um, just, you know, loves to paint and loves to sing, you know. Um, 
what I would argue is that as the leaders of the world, you know, the Shakespeare's, the Da Vinci's, the Jobs, people like that who are creatives, they're creative and their work was great because they were innovators and they were problem solvers. They saw real life issues going on and they came up with new solutions to make the world better. Creativity is not just about painting a pretty picture. Now, yes, you can create something beautiful, but what we're pushing forth is the ability to critically think, to think abstract, to think outside of the box, to come up with new innovative uh, ways that's going to help make this world better. And I'm telling you, in the Christian world and Christian circles, so many of us in the creative uh, side of things are following the secular creatives and we're being inspired by the secular artists and we are not creating anything new. Typically, you, you hear this, that we're about five to 10 years behind. This is dangerous for the Christian artists. And that's why I believe we are so far behind in culture and we have lost this culture war. And so my encouragement would be that this is for everybody. Even if you would say that you don't have a creative bone in your body, it's needed. If you find that you're weak in this, strengthen yourself. Now, as an example, we praise Abel for his intellect and his ability to memorize facts. But uh, here's a case study uh, between my six-year-old and my four-year-old. And that was whenever we gave them bikes and Abel ran into this hump. And he, you remember this? He cannot get over this hump. And he's he's essentially in tears looking at us like, how do I overcome this? I cannot get this bike over this hump. And we're like telling him how to speed it up and use power and whatnot. And then here's our four-year-old who we all recognize him as a creative and he looks at this hump, sees he cannot get over it. And what does he do? He problem solves and he puts his two little feet down and he wobbles over the hump and he solves the problem. And it's small examples like that, that you can see that a person's creative ability and ways that they can think in the abstract directly correlate with how they can solve problems and how they can figure things out on their own. And if we're not properly training our brain on how to do this, learn, get better. This is too crucial for you to be sitting on the sidelines. And we need this for our kids and we certainly need this for ourselves. So we want to make sure that we give some helpful resources. Just these are things that our family practices. Um, maybe you could find other ways that you know, your family can be creative, but for us, we've kind of thought through some different ways that we can practically help our children as we are on mission to be creative. So the first thing we do is fairly obvious um, when we're thinking of arts. This is probably what most parents would think of, but we put things in their hands to be able to be creative, whether that is crayons, markers, Play-Doh, paint, chalk. Um, we find ways that they can use their hands to visually create beautiful art. Yeah. And I think just finding different mediums for them to allow them to express themselves and explore different ways um, that they can express their ideas and how they are feeling is extremely helpful. And obviously, you know, we're going to be pushing the creative side of things that you, you, you need to be creating over consuming, but we understand that you're going to be consuming. And so number two is understanding how to properly digest what you're consuming. Uh, you're going to be watching TV shows. You're going to watch a movie. Uh, we love going to the movies with our children. And, uh, you know, I've 
we've gotten on a little bit about Abel and how he is just not as abstract as the rest of them. He's more on a straight and narrow path and he likes to, to know exactly what he's going to be doing. And so we have, and so we have applied that in his consumption. Uh, Abel can sit there. He's very much like you. He can sit there for hours and just consume and watch content. And so what we've done is that we like to discuss uh, what exactly it is that we are consuming. What are we watching here? What's going on? What's the worldview? Uh, many of the things that they consume uh, have strong heavy worldview implications. And we want, we don't want that to go without being checked. We want to understand what it is that we're listening to, because if we can understand it, we can actually open ourselves up to more worldview. Now, make no mistake, my, my son's six. I'm not asking him what's the philosophical stance on this given topic. Uh, he's not going to know that, but ways that I might pull out worldview from him is, uh, is what was his character trying to do? What was he hoping for? Uh, how did he make a mistake? Uh, was he wrong? Even though he made this decision, what is what he did wrong? And pulling this out allows them to be able to critically think. And what you're doing is giving them exercises as they are consuming. And, you know, we understand you're not going to fully escape the consumption part of things. Um, but if you can do it properly and understand how to critically think, now you have the ability to walk with truth and be able to be in the world, but not necessarily of the world. So this is certainly something that everyone can do is talk about what it is. Have a moment after the movie is over. You know, we've been doing this since the kids were born and we'll sit around and we'll talk and we digest it. We don't just sit there and be mindlessly entertained. We need to properly know what it is that we're being preached or taught in the films or in our music that we're listening to. And the third thing that we do um, with our kids to try to make sure that we instill creativity in them is allow them time to play. Um, so this one, you know, it, it can be difficult when they just want to watch a movie or have screen time or play video games. Um, we have to be intentional about giving our kids time to play. Kids' favorite toys, and we have a lot of them, are costumes. Um, Ollie, every single day, is a new character. And it honestly blows me away. Even if we don't have a costume, he will find things in the house to put together to create his own costume. Um, I know like Ash Ketchum, like he'll put on a hat and a backpack and it's great. Like he can just throw stuff together creatively to embody himself as the character. I think one of my sadder moments and maybe a, a flop as a parent that really hit me and, you know, I've tried to be more intentional since this moment is we were out at some family member's house and they didn't have any toys or anything in the back. It was this big, beautiful backyard with all the trees and all the space to run around. And our kids came up to us and they were like, I'm bored. And so it broke my heart that I'm like, there is sticks, there's mud, there's a creek, like, go get dirty, go have fun, play. And so eventually, after a little bit of whining and a little bit of uh, probbing, they did go out there, they grabbed some sticks, and they became ninjas or warriors or something, and they were sword fighting with the sticks. So, I mean, it may have been a little bit dangerous, but <laughs> they had fun anyways. Yeah, you're right. And I think that playtime is so essential because 
it's there where we can tap into the abstract. You know, our boys love video games. And what we find in most video games is that there's rules, there's systems, there's characters um, that can only be played at certain lands and fulfilling certain tasks. But it's in the playroom where you could have a toy Mario and a toy Iron Man. And those two characters that would never interact can actually interact and um, play along together, go on an adventure. And it allows our kids' brains to think beyond the normal out of those two characters who's actually the real hero, who's the good guy, uh, who's stronger. And they create these scenarios and these uh, stories, you know, and then they got to fight Voldemort out of all things, you know, and it really allows them to think outside of the box and come up with their own stories, which we would say is the next one. And telling stories, telling stories definitely fosters up creativity. Um, for us, we like to tell stories. Uh, we try to do it every night and we read different stories. Uh, you know, sometimes we'll read through, you know, just the Bible and give those biblical stories, but also we like to go into fictional. And right now we're going. Um, we're starting up the Chronicles of Narnia and the Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe, and uh, you know, no pictures or anything like that, but just the the original C.S. Lewis text that they're going to hear and allowing their imagination to think through what does Aslan look like? What does the witch look like? Um, what do these characters that they're hearing about and allowing their imagination as they're looking up to the ceiling and thinking through the story, um, where does it go? And then, you know, ending every night, not with uh, it being concluded. Even as we take a break from the story, we ask questions. What did we learn? What do we hope happens next? Where do we think that the story is going to go? Uh, all this is great exercise for developing your creative critical skills. Yeah, I think also uh, giving our kids the platform to be able to tell those stories. So one of our kids' favorite things to do right now is to put on a show. So they'll put on their costumes and they'll have this show ready and they might be acting, singing, dancing. Um, they might even make up their own songs to go along with it. So if your kids enjoy doing that, give them the time and attention to watch their show and encourage them in that creativity. Um, I know a lot of times, even if people are, or especially if people are more introverted, that maybe they have that stuff in their head, but it's hard to really get them to be comfortable and perform that or sing that song that they've made up or act that out for their family. So really providing that safe space and comfortable platform to be able to present their creativity to you. Yeah. And the last one, this is going to be near and dear to our heart because of Aletheia. And this is why we even have Aletheia. And that is to look for opportunities to connect and to team up with other creatives to do your thing, whatever that might be. Uh, we find a very common to where many artists and creatives are lonely and they don't know how to connect with other people. And so getting out there, finding opportunities, classes, groups, um, anything to get you out there to grow with other people. One of the best ways to get better at your craft is to be with others who are doing your craft uh, the same and better than you. And you're surely going to be growing. And so if your child is interested in a certain field, then they need to connect with other people who are are interested in that field because that's going to be the only way that they're going to really grow and flourish and uh, improve in their their gift set. 
And I hear this with uh, on the visual art side is, is they'll say, oh, Mr. Davis, uh, I'm not good at drawing because I can't draw. And I'm like, well, have you ever really tried drawing? And I'm like, no, I, I, don't, I don't know how. And I'm like, right, you don't know how, but that doesn't mean you're not good at something. And so many people would say that they're not creative because they just simply have never tried. And so my encouragement would be to get out there and go just try. And you know what? Fail. If you're going to be decent or good at anything, you're going to fail the first time. No one picks up a pen or a pencil for the very first time and just starts, you know, sketching out like Da Vinci. It takes time. You're not going to be the next Michelangelo overnight. It takes hard work. Uh, people like Vincent Van Gogh never even see uh, the the end accomplishments of their work. And I have story after story where I've seen, you know, kids just they don't operate the same way as adults and teenagers do. You know, you see kids go up there on stage and they have no shame and they're excited and they love doing whatever it is that they're doing. And, uh, you know, something happens whenever we grow up a little bit and we start having the sphere of man. And so my encouragement would be if, you know, if you're, child struggles with anxiety or with other people, one of the best ways to break that is to break it now by getting them on stage, getting them in classes, getting them to do something that's um, out of the ordinary and maybe makes them a little bit uncomfortable because if they can start working at it now, they're going to do great moving forward. And what precious conversations can you have if your kid does have that fear, if they do have that anxiety, have that now, have that when they're four or five or six years old to talk about how we should not be scared of what people think, or we should not be uh, fearful of how we might be judged. Go ahead and break that because you don't want to be having that when you're a teenager and definitely you don't want to be having that when you're a 20, 30, 40 year old man or woman. And so get out there, try, fail, grow, get better and allow your ability to be creative, just continue to grow and to continue to flourish. And this can be, you know, it doesn't have to be as grand as putting them into a program or putting them into lessons. You know, those are all great things. But again, if you don't have the resources or the finances to be able to do that, there are small things that you can do for your children each and every day to allow them to be creative and to problem solve. Um, one of the things that I know we let our kids do sometimes is dress themselves. You know, like taking the initiative to pick out their clothes and see what they put together. Sometimes the combinations are interesting and we might have to steer it in the right direction, but it is um, it is a good outlet for them to be able to put things together, match colors, um, be creative in the choices that they pick, as well as cooking. That's one of our kids' favorite ways to be creative. They love to cook and asking them, involving them in the process. What would you like for dinner? What should we put together? Um, I've also found this helps them eat what they've created as well. <laughs> No matter what um, you do, I think you can find small ways to integrate creativity in your everyday life. Yeah. And once again, I can't stress this enough. We're not just after your artistry and how to be creative here um, or even innovation and problem solving, but truly your mind is on the line here. And this is the process of cultivation, because if you're just consuming, then you're actually becoming cultivated to whatever it is that the world is trying to give you. And so it's very likely that it's not going to be something that you're going to find in scripture and you begin to get cultivated in it, whatever it is that you're uh, falling under, whether it's politics, uh, entertainment, uh, whatever that might be. You become sympathetic, you accept, 
you affirm, and this begins to cultivate and change the way that you live out your life. And we cannot let that happen. As Christians, we need to follow truth. We need to follow Jesus's uh, life-giving wisdom that he tells us on how to, to be enriched by this life and the, the goal and the prize that we have with our salvation. And it's not worth being cultivated and consumed by this world whatsoever. And so this is why we want to be cultivated with truth.